that is one of my favorite scenes, if not my favorite scene from the entire Chosen series. And I think uh, what you get there is a sense of this man who has given his whole life, Nicodemus, to knowing the Jewish scriptures, the Old Testament, uh, and to given his whole life to his faith and his religion. And suddenly he's encountering the living word of God. He's encountering Jesus himself. And Jesus is completely blowing his mindsets of what he thought he knew. And I think for so many of us that grew up in the Christian faith or grew up around Christianity, when we come and we meet Jesus, he completely blows our mindsets of what we think we know. I remember a, a few examples of this for myself when I was a new believer. One of the areas that God just completely amazed me and continues to amaze me again and again is from the revelation of His Word. And so I'm going to read just two short passages um, that just speak about um, who God is. And uh, the first is from Genesis chapter 1, and it reads this. It says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And so you've got this account of creation, and it's written in ancient Hebrew in a poem. The whole first chapter is a, of Genesis is a poem, an amazing poem. And in John chapter 1, we've got a text which John wrote 2,000 years after, probably about 1,500 years after this first one from Genesis chapter 1, where John is mirroring, mirroring or, or basically are demonstrating a new understanding of Genesis chapter 1. So he's taken the understanding deeper because of the person of Jesus. And it reads this, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And so you've got these accounts of life and you've got light and Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And there's just so many layers of understanding hidden throughout the scriptures. And I remember as I come to, uh, came to scripture being enthralled by this bigness of God and the, his majesty that he could script the Bible over thousands of years and people from vastly different walks of life to tell one story of who he is. And I still get amazed by him. And the more I dig into the scripture, the more I find I remember when I was a, a new believer and um, I had recently given my life to Jesus Christ and I really, I wanted to know God for myself. I wanted to experience God. And so I started waking up early in the morning at about five, quarter past five. This was when I was still at high school and going to the bottom of the garden and just spending time praying. And I wanted to experience God for myself. I used to go there and say, God, I want to know you for myself. I want to experience you for myself. I don't want to live on other people's experiences. I don't want to hear other preachers tell me about their experiences. I want to experience you and encounter you for myself. And over the weeks and the months of going there and just asking God that question, I remember again and again and again how God would reveal Himself to me. And the first thing that I became aware of was the presence of God. God was there with me. And I don't know how to describe it. And if you've never experienced it, like maybe this won't make sense. Um, but it was just a sense of electricity and passion and energy and just a sense of God was there. I could feel Him, but it was like nothing I'd ever felt before. It was full of awe and wonder and mystery. 
And I remember as God would begin to show me who he was and show me pictures of himself and in my mind's eye and in my spirit and reveal his nature and his character to me in ways I couldn't have comprehended because I'd grown up in the Christian faith and grown up in church. And for me, it was just a bunch of rules and a bunch of things I had to do. But I didn't know that there was this God that you could experience. And what I was finding is that seeking you will find. I was seeking God. I was seeking God and I was finding who he was. And it was an amazing experience. And these are, to this day, you know, over 20 years later of serving Jesus, the things that still enthrall me about Him is that I get lost in these moments of wonder and awe and mystery, both as I come to His Word and I come to His presence and I'm found uh, to be with Him. And I remember those moments in the garden where it was just this garden and it was dark because it was early in the morning, but it was like the whole world was in that space. And that space was all there was. I'd be so lost in Him. Wonder and awe and mystery. And I want to speak to you a little bit about religion today. And what I mean by religion is, you know, what do you mean about religion? What I mean about religion is, what I, what I mean by religion is that it's the pursuit of the divine through self-denial, self-control, and giving stuff up. It's basically going, how, how do I behave really well so that I can know God? That's what religion is. What do I do in order to know Him? And the tragedy, tragedy of religion is that you give up the pursuit of a God of wonder and awe and majesty and you start living for a set of rules. Do I eat that? Don't I eat that? How much do I drink? Do I have one beer? Do I have two? How much do I pray? How often do I pray? Do I read my Bible? How much? Hey, I judge that person. You give up the pursuit of the divine and the knowledge of awe and wonder and mystery and your whole life becomes focused on a few rules in order to try and please God so that you can know Him. And God is not a system of rules. God is wonder and awe and mystery. And if you want to know wonder and awe and mystery, you've got to seek wonder, awe and mystery, not seek rules. And I, during the course of my Christian walk, I got lost in, uh, this, in the tragedy of religion where I had given up the wonder and the awe and the mystery and knowing God and being lost in Him. And I became so focused on how well I was doing and was I being a good Christian and not being a good Christian and, ooh, I think I had too much to drink or I had that kind of thought. So I watched that thing. Should I really be watching that or should I really be listening to this kind of music? And I got lost in all that stuff. And my whole focus became the rules, not God. And that's the problem with the religion is you become focused you lose your focus on God and you get focused on rules. And the tragedy of that is those rules will never lead you to God. And I really want to dig into the subject of religion today. And I want to do it by asking just two questions. And uh, Luther spoke about the fact that we need to ask questions and we need to seek the truth. And so I'm going to ask you two questions that are going to lead us to two truths. And the first question that I'm going to pose to you today is what are you seeking? What are you seeking? And the second question I'm going to ask you is, if you got what you are seeking, if you got what you're seeking for, would you really want it? Would you really want what you're seeking for? So I'm going to deal with the first one now. What are you seeking? Because Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 7. He said, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. 
And there's just this amazing confirmation that what we seek, we're going to find. And that works for the positive and the negative. Because if you're seeking religion, if you're seeking how do I do this right or how do I live a right life or be good enough, what you're seeking is you're not seeking God, you're seeking justice. And the problem with that is you don't need justice, you need mercy. You don't need justice. And the problem with religion is it's based on a worldview of justice, which is God gives people what they deserve. So if you're blessed, it's because you're doing good things. And if bad things are going in your life, it's because you're not doing it right and you can be doing it better. And you'll hear religious people saying things like this, God helps those who help themselves. In other words, if you do the right things right, then God will help you. And the whole point of the Christian faith is God helps those that can't help themselves. You don't need justice, you need mercy. And mercy is found in the person of Jesus Christ. Mercy is found in the person of Jesus. If you're looking for mercy, find Jesus. If you're looking for forgiveness, find Jesus. If you're looking for love, find Jesus. But if you're living for the rules, you're not going to find mercy You're not going to find love. You're not going to find forgiveness. You're going to find justice and you don't want justice. You don't need justice. You need mercy. God is a God of mercy. And you know what? God does, is a God of justice and God is our judge. And the Bible is so clear that everyone will be judged, both the living and the dead. But the point of this is that God is a loving father who has to judge. And his role as being a judge comes second to his role as wanting to be a loving father to you. His role as a judge doesn't define his role as a father. Let me explain from uh, John chapter 3 and verse 16 to 18. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent His Son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through Him. There is no judgment against anyone who believes in Him. You know what this text shows us? This text shows us that God starts at love. He's motivated by love. God so loved the world that He sent His Son and He didn't send His Son to judge the world, but to save the world. God doesn't want to bring justice into your life. He wants to bring mercy into your life. And the way He does that is He satisfies His need for justice at the cross. From God's perspective, the only reason for religion, the only reason for a system of rules is to show us that we can't be good enough for Him and to bring us to the place of asking for mercy. Beyond that, it has no value to you. God's heart for you as revealed in John chapter 3 in this conversation with Nicodemus, this religious man who blew his mind, is that God doesn't want to bring justice to you. He wants to bring love to you. He's a loving father that reluctantly ends up judging. He's not a judge who, when you get everything right, reluctantly loves you. And religion completely blinds us to the fact because we live for the rules. And in living for the rules, our whole mindset is oriented towards justice. And we start seeing God as a judge, not as a loving father. It distorts our view of God. The second question, uh, so, so I'm asking that question, what are you seeking for? Because if you're seeking religion, you might find it. 
And that brings us to the second point. If you got what you found, would you really want it? And if you seek religion, are you really going to find what you're looking for? And if you seek a whole bunch of things, and we'll get to this, will you really want what you're looking for? But we're going to read here from Matthew chapter 6, verse 22 to 23. Your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is, and I, you can leave this on the screen for a little bit, go back there. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. Now there's a little bit of a cryptic saying here, and Nicodemus says this in the video, is this one of these born again statements? Is this one of these wind blowing in the trees things? Like this is mystery, my brain can't quite get there. In Matthew chapter six, this text here is a little bit like that. It takes some explaining. And so I'm gonna explain it with a use of an illustration Illustration. I'm going to tell you a story. So there's a chain of restaurants in our country that markets itself on being the healthy form of takeaway food, okay? I don't want to mention them by name, but uh, let's just call them Hawaii for, for you know, convenience sake, because I just don't want to like out them like that. And a few years ago, it came out in the press that a whole bunch of stuff on their menu wasn't actually that healthy for you. It was actually quite unhealthy for you, and the calorie load was like half of your daily calorie load <laughs> in one meal, even less, one drink some of the time. But they hadn't disclosed that. And so uh, it kind of came out, and it was a little bit funny, the fact that this uh, restaurant that uh, had marked itself on being the healthy takeaway option really wasn't that healthy for you. But the problem is, <coughs> excuse me, but the problem is, is if you didn't know that, and you thought you were being healthy going there to this restaurant I won't name called Hua, um, is that uh, you thought you were making the healthy choice. And you can just imagine someone, you know, New Year's resolution, my whole goal for this year is I want to lose some weight. And instead of having a cheat meal at KFC, I'm going to have a cheat meal at Hua. Okay, and uh, you go there. And so uh, you go there and you're like feeling so good about yourself. Oh, I'm not going to KFC. I'm going to Hawaii and I'm getting this, uh, this meal. And you don't know that rather than helping yourself, you're harming yourself. And then like two months in, you, you do your metrics again. And like they do the body fat percentage and you climb on there and you're so motivated and you see that your goals are going in the wrong direction. And then you go, oh no, you know what? The way I'm going to solve this is I'm just going to eat every single meal at Hawaii. You see, the problem is, is when you think something is the solution, when you think something is going to help you, and it actually it's darkness and actually is making you worse, and you don't know it, you're going to give yourself to something that ultimately will make you unhealthy. You're going to give your life to something that ultimately will never take you to where you want to go. And this is exactly how religion works. You tell yourself, you know, the problem is, is that I uh, uh, drink too much, uh, sometimes use bad language, um, and uh, sometimes have bad thoughts. I lose my temper in traffic. The way I'm going to fix that is I'm going to read my Bible for half an hour and pray in the morning. Nothing wrong with that, but I'm going to fix it by my discipline, and that's going to result me in me becoming a better person and being more like God. And so I'm going to do these things. And three months later, you find out that you're still doing those things, and you go, the way I'm going to fix it is I'm going to become even more strict in the 
rules are going to become even more clear. And I'm going to try even harder to be a good Christian. And you don't realize that those rules aren't helping you. They're hurting you because those those rules only have to do with earthly things. Don't taste. Don't touch. How much? Did you say that word? Didn't you say that word? And you've lost your sense of awe and majesty and wonder. And you've traded them in for a set of small rules that can never heal you or make you whole. And the problem is, is you think it's light, but it's actually darkness. And that's why Jesus in that text, go back there, Mr. Text Slide Man. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. Because the thing you're giving your life to, you think is light, you think is going to make you whole, is actually darkness and it's going to make you sick. And this doesn't just work with religion. This works with anything where you've taken God out of the center of it. Uh, my older brother had this friend, um, really good looking, popular guy. And uh, shortly after his studies, he went across to the United States. He ended up living in a beautiful part of the States. And uh, he got a good paying job. He got a beautiful girlfriend. Um, and he got all the uh, drugs and booze that he could muster. And, uh, and he lived that kind of lifestyle for a while. And eventually he came home. And I remember my brother saying that he had gone to see him and asked him how he was and why he came home. And he said, man, I got everything I had ever wanted and it almost broke me. See, the problem is, is that what he was seeking, that he thought was going to make him happy, whole, healthy, all those things, was actually destroying him. And the question I'm asking is, what you seek, what are you seeking, can it actually take you where you want to go? You find people that give themselves to their careers because they think being successful is going to make them feel valuable. And they get exactly what they want and it doesn't fill the void in their life. Or you get people that give themselves to earning money and maybe they get all the money in the world and they find out that it's empty and it doesn't give them that they, what they want. You get someone that spends their whole life dreaming about finding the one and falling in love and they find the one and they're falling in love. And six months, a year, two years down the line, you find them in the same place as before, feeling insecure alone, though they're in a relationship, because the thing they thought was going to make them whole could never give them what they thought it would deliver. And religion can never give you awe and majesty and wonder. You see, you might get exactly what you want and still not have what you need. Do you actually want the thing that you're pursuing? You see, you take God and His awe and His majesty, and His wonder, and His power, and living in relationship, and experiencing for him, your, him for yourself. You take that out of anything, your family, your career, your finances, and you strip it of its beauty, and its majesty, and its power to breathe life into you. Because Jesus Christ is the light. And he is the life. I'm going to close with this text. And this is one of the great I am sayings of Jesus. I am the light of the world. Remember in the beginning, we started reading that in the beginning was God. And the God said, let there be light. And there was light. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. 
All of us are looking for life. Life is happiness, wholeness, fullness. Having a sense of who we are, knowing our value, knowing our worth, knowing that we have purpose and vision and our life counts for something. All of us are looking for life, but there's only one light that leads to that life and His name is Jesus Christ. Don't give up that pursuit of that for anything. Not for the pursuit of career, or love, a romantic love, or finances, or rules and religion, because you could spend your whole life living for something and never arrive at what you really want, the life that leads to life, the person of Jesus Christ. And I want to invite you, give your life to awe and wonder and mystery and power as you seek the God of heaven and say, God, I want to know you. I want to experience you. You are the purpose of my whole being. You are the pursuit of my whole life. Every day is about you and your glory. And Father God, I just pray for people that God, you give them such a vision of your bigness. And here's the, the promise to you. Seek and you will find. There is a promise to you that as you seek God's awe and wonder and mystery and an intimate relationship with Him, just like I was a 17-year-old kid at the bottom of my garden saying, God, I want to know you. And He met me in that place. God will meet with you again and again and again. He's faithful. Father, I pray that you meet with us. I pray that you blow our mindset that, Father God, we could have spent so many years in this Christian faith, but once again, God, you can take us to new places in yourself and new levels of awe and new levels of wonder and new levels of mystery because we want you, we long for you. Help us not to give up the pursuit of you for anything. We love you, Father God. We thank you, God, that you are so faithful to meet us at our point of need. And our greatest need is yourself. In Jesus' name, amen. Guys, thank you so much. Really trust you have a great Sunday or a great week.